Welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. Here are your hosts, Casey Woolley and Matthew Brown. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. My name's Casey. And my name is Matt, an exciting first here on the Beers and Ears podcast. <laughs> and, and a little bit more magical, maybe, than the episode we had last week, which was kind of a rant. Um, as you all know, the episode last week was kind of a, how's Bob Chapek doing in his first 18 months? Um, it was the needed. vanilla ice cream. Of yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Forgot about that. Uh, no, I, I, it was needed. And, and, you know, Matt, you and I were just talking before the show started, you know, I was at the Woodfield store um, this week and, and paid a visit to my, our old cast. And it was just, just, it's a sad time. I feel sad. And, um, you know, but that last week was very much needed, but this week, um, we've really excited about this episode because it's been on the books for a while. This is coming out the day after Labor Day. And, you know, I told Matt, I said, we need to do a, a, a question and answer episode. Um, I see a lot of other podcasts do them. I've seen Lou Mangiello do them. I've seen Chris with Mouse and More. I've seen the Mouse Chat folks do them. And they're fun because you, you don't know what's going to be thrown at you. And and so that's what we did. We kind of put it out there into our social media and said, hey, what are some questions that you want to throw at us? I think the difference with us, though, Matt, is that you know we're not necessarily a parks podcast where a lot of those shows are giving you tips and tricks about the parks. With us, you're kind of asking us just some kind of opinion-based questions. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting to see what kind of came up and, um, we appreciate you all that, that commented with questions and we're excited about them. So I think we, let's hit the ground running. I agree. Um, we're going to cover two right off the bat that were asked. Um, we really can't answer wholeheartedly, especially this first one, which comes in from Dave Blake. He says, which do you like better Disneyland or Disney world? Um, unfortunately, neither of us has been to Disneyland, so it's hard for us to compare the two from a subjective perspective. Would you agree with that, Matt? Yeah. So, I mean, we are clearly um, east of the Mississippi people, born and raised. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for those of you that are west of the Mississippi, closer to Disneyland, uh, I, I need to, to get you into the Midwest mindset. Um, we say open you know, going to sneak right past you there. It's all true. All that stuff you see on the internet, we do it. I do it on a daily basis. And every and time from, I'm like, ah. And if you're from Michigan, you put your hand up to say where you're from. Yep, exactly. Exactly. That, it's all it. true. And so there's just this mindset that Disney World is just where we go. Mm-hmm. I like, I don't think there was ever even a consideration that we would go to Disneyland. And I don't think there's necessarily a reason for that. It's just that's just what it is. So it's, it's not like a, we're against Disneyland or anything. It just is a weird Midwest mindset. So well, yeah. And, it, and it, I want to, I want to add this to Matt too, that, that we will get there. I mean, it, it's oh, yeah. on my bucket list. I want to go to all the Disney parks. It's on my bucket list of things to do. Um, you know, a lot of people who are not like hardcore into Disney, the first time they go to Disneyland, you, you oftentimes hear them say that, oh, it's disappointing. It's so much smaller than Walt Disney World. But when you're a hardcore Disney fan, you you understand that. Like, I to- I could objectively go down the list right now and tell you 10 key differences. I'm not going to do it. We don't have the time. But 10 key differences, 20 key differences between Walt Disney World and Disneyland. I mean, it, it's very objectively, I understand it. And, and when I finally do make it to Disneyland, when I'm able to afford it and go out there and all that great stuff, 
it's going to be a multi-day adventure. Yes, it's only two parks, and people say you can do both the parks in two days. It's going to be like, uh-uh, no, no, no. It's no. going to be a week-long endeavor for me to really enjoy. I, I, you know, I want two or three days just in Disneyland and, you know, two or three days at California Adventure. I don't know about you. Oh, I'm full. Oh, my gosh. Like, uh, the do a park in a day, don't get me wrong, you can do it, but if I'm going for the first time, I need to fully, and do stuff twice and three times and even yeah. spend some time. Part of the magic of Disney parks is just kind of wandering around oh, yeah. and seeing things. So I was I was having that conversation with my boss a couple of weeks ago. She, she asked me, well, what do you do when you go to Disneyland? Do you have any favorite attractions? I said, oh, of course I've got favorite attractions. I said, but one of my favorite things to do is to grab a citrus swirl and sit down in Adventureland and just people watch for an hour. She goes, you just sit there and watch people? I'm like, yeah, it's just, it's relaxing to me to have the Adventureland music going or on Main Street USA, just, just, you know, stroll down Main Street USA with the Starbucks in hand, you know, it's kind of, there's something great about that, you know? So that one's, that one's just harder for us to answer. So a great question, first of all. So thank you, Dave. But, um, uh, we will answer that question someday when we have our Disneyland extravaganza show when both of us get out there. Well, and I think, honestly, it's going to be one of those things where we are going to get out there and we'll never be able to answer it because I don't think you can compare Disneyland and Disney World. They are two different – they are literally two different – they're not even apples and oranges. They're like apples and Oreo brownies and both of which are good at mm. different times, you know? <laughs> so. Mm. Um, okay, next one is from Tanja Sen. Uh, she was actually on the podcast last year with us, the Hidden Mickey's episode. So right. Tanja, yes. So, and, and she says, how has Disney made the decision of the locations of its parks? Now, again, Matt and I, we are, uh, you know, we are pretty well versed in the Disney verse, if you will. Uh, obviously, Disneyland was the first. That was Walt's dream. He started the idea of Walt Disney World. Um, really wasn't even called Walt Disney World at the time. The Florida Project. You know, those two are like the, the domestic side of the parks, right? So knowing Tanja, she's referring to the international parks. She's referring to, of course, Tokyo, Hong Kong, um, Shang, um, uh, Shanghai, and um, Disneyland Paris. Again, we're not experts here, but I will I will point you in the direction of the Imagineering story on Disney Plus, Tanja. If you haven't watched that, Matt, I know you have. We did a whole episode on it. Well, and I, I, I want to watch it again. I know. Well, and behind the attractions, kind of like a miniature version of that. But that does a really good job at explaining why they've gone to the parks that they've gone to, especially like Tokyo Disneyland. Like just Tokyo Disneyland alone, that originally wasn't even a Walt Disney idea. Like that wasn't even the Disney company idea. The Oriental Trading Company and the government of Japan basically came to the Disney company and said, we want you to build Disneyland here. Like we want an exact replica. We want you to build Disneyland here. And if you watch the Imagineering story, what's really interesting about that is that because they did not take intricate notes and keep a lot of like intricate records of how they did the things they did with Disneyland and Walt Disney World, they finally, in order to be able to build this stuff to the Oriental Trading Company, they had to start like writing this stuff down. Yeah, and that was really, you know, if you think about that, I mean, that's the '80s. I mean, it's 30 years later. They're they're kind of thinking through some of the stuff that they've done, um, you know. And then, of course, after the success of Tokyo Disney, from there, you know, they they I think it was Disneyland Paris that came next, or was it Hong Kong? I think it was Paris, and that was Eisner's. Yes. Thing. Okay. And and Paris was a flop. Paris mm-hmm. was a flop because they tried to make it too 
France. They tried to make it to the, they tried to appeal to that French appetite when the French wanted exactly what Tokyo Disney wanted, which was we you know we want to go to Disneyland to experience what it is to be an American, basically. Yeah. So you know, I, I would say start there. Those are two really good ones. Um, Hong Kong, I'm not. I'm, I I just don't know. I don't know. Hong Kong, about Hong from Kong. what I gather, is another really small park. Okay. Um, like really, really small, but has some good stuff. I've watched some ride through videos of stuff in Hong Kong, and actually, incidentally, I know someone that now lives in Hong Kong. Okay. And so, like, that now gives me, like, a, hmm, I could go visit that person. <laughs> uh, shout out I to I believe Jason. Hong Kong is actually owned by Disney. So I think it is. So, so Tokyo Disney is owned by the Oriental Trading Company. So the Disney company, like, cast members don't have rights and privileges over there. Disneyland Paris for a long time was not owned by the Walt Disney Company, but they have since bought it back. Yeah. Hong Kong, I believe, is owned by Disney. And then Shanghai Disney, I think, is a joint venture between the Chinese government and and the Walt Disney Company. But I do believe cast members do have privileges over at Shanghai Disney. If I'm not if I don't I don't I think that's the case. I think I remember seeing that. On yeah, the, that's that's on something I'm not as well versed in. So, yeah. Now, regarding Shanghai, story. though, regarding Shanghai, though, Shanghai, biggest Disney park in the world. Right. And and they had to completely re-envision because they, they did have a lot of restrictions around what they could do. Like they did not create Main Street USA, which makes which, sense, which like, makes sense. Right. You know, I think they call what they call it. It's um, oh, I have to look like that a, up. the World Bazaar or something. Yeah. Like yeah. And it's, it's I believe it's completely covered, too, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. just like um, Tokyo or yeah. not Tokyo. Yeah. Tokyo. Or is it Hong Kong? One of them's covered. So mm-hmm. anyway. Imagineering story is a great place for that one. Um, okay, we're going to move on to this next one from Eric, friend of the pod, Eric. He actually was a Diz Games listener challenge. Um, he says, <clears throat> if you can only ride one ride at each of the four parks in Walt Disney World, which do you pick for each park? This is a fun question. I like this one. Yeah. Um, so we'll leave. Let's save Magic Kingdom for last. Yep. Why don't we start Epcot? I'll let you go first. Soren. I Soren, mean, I, I love Soren. I love that ride. I, I uh, that's a must do for me. So it's Soren, hands okay. down. Hmm. I guess if we're only talking current rides, because obviously Guardians of the Galaxy is going to change that. Yeah, equation. I was going to say Guardians and, of the Galaxy and, might change that. But. And Remy's Ratatouille Adventure might change that too. Although I don't know. Um, it's, it's a toss up for me <clears throat> between Soren. It's actually a three three way toss up. Soren, Frozen, and Test Track. But I, I agree with you. I'm gonna have to go with Soren. Soren's Soren's just an amazing ride. It's I love that it is magical without being IP. Mm-hmm. That you, yep. you get on it and you're like, this is so amazing. It's truly Disney. And, and the fact that they yeah. made it with an erector set just yeah. cracks me up. Yeah. Okay, let's go over to Animal Kingdom. I'm gonna go first on this one. Hands down, best ride in the history of theme park rides. There's even Rise of the Resistance doesn't top this ride. Um, Pandora, a flight of passage, but by I far. Mean, that's the obvious one. I will say though, I think the safari is a close second for me hmm. because, um, that how, how they can make you feel like you are on this safari yeah. and that how they have engineered all of the animals to feel like they're a part of one thing is really, really cool. Mm-hmm. And I think exhibition Everest is also very good, but if the yeah. Yeti was working, I, I, it would be much higher. You know, not, you know, Animal Kingdom actually has a 
decent amount of they attractions do. to go to. I mean, when I think through Pandora, um, uh, Navi River Journey, um, again, the, the Safari, the Cali River Rapids, I enjoy the Cali River Rapids. Like on a hot day, it's, it's nice fun. to get drenched. Expedition Everest, um, Dinosaur. I mean, like when I think about that, there's some, you know, some really decent attractions. And of course, the shows, I mean, Festival of the Lion King and Finding Nemo. So, yeah, but I, I do Pandora hands down. As oh, the, yeah. Flight the of Passage hands Flight down. Flight of Passage is the best, <laughs> best one there. Um, okay. Moving over to Hollywood Studios. I mean, this one's tough for me because I have not ridden mm-hmm. anything in Star Wars land. So uh, my answer is with that caveat. And yeah. it's Toy Story Midway Mania. I really love that ride. It's a lot of fun. Um, Star Tours is also another one that okay. I really, really like. I believe it or not, I would, and I have ridden both Rise of the Resistance and Millennium Falcon's Falcon's Wrong. Mine is Slinky Dog Dash. Slinky Dog Dash is also very, very good. Slinky Dog Dash, I think, is best roller coaster on property. Hmm. It beats Space Mountain. It beats Expedition. Mm. It beats Expedition Everest. It beats Big Thunder Mountain. I'm not a huge fan of um, the the rock and roller coaster. I don't like the upside downs. I think Slinky Dog Dash is best roller coaster on property. In my, opinion. I don't think that that's that outlandish of a statement. I mean, I think you could have an argument elsewhere, but I, yeah. I but I don't think that's an outlandish statement. It's it's a fun. The thing about it is is if you're a coaster lover, it's fun. If you're a family ride lover, it's fun. If you're a Toy Story lover, it's fun. It's hell getting on. Like I mean, like it's 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 the one time I scored that pass to get it, I was like, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, Slinky Dog Dash, and don't get me wrong, Rise of the Resistance, phenomenal ride. Well, and the other one I have written is the Mickey and Minnie Runaway Railway. Yeah, so. that's fair. I've not rode that one yet either. Yeah. Although that one seems like it almost has like that Ratatouille feel to me. So um, I don't know. All right, big one, Magic Kingdom. This one's tough, <laughs> and, and, but I mean, there's a lot of close ones here. But man, bang for the buck. I know we've talked about this early on in the pod. It's got to be Splash Mountain. Hundred percent. Hallelujah! Right like, there. It, yep. it, it, <laughs> We talked about it like it's a long ride, double drop, bang for your buck, get in that water. And I would say a close second for me would be Big Thunder Mountain. Okay. Every time I ride Big Thunder Mountain, I'm like, I love this. This is really great. Okay. All right. My my close second, second, by the way, would be Haunted Mansion. Okay. Just so we're clear. I have a weird tidbit. I don't think it's the track in Walt Disney World, but there is a paper, a legit medical paper that you can look up that the track of Big Thunder Mountain in Disneyland helps pass kidney stones. <laughs> there is a legit medical paper that you can look up. I read through it all. It's insanely interesting. Wow. Um, so if you, you have a kidney stone. It. How did you even come across this? Another podcast. Okay. Uh, I, yeah. Let's say that Matt's just searching random medical papers about. I mean, that also sounds like me, but, but like no, you. I heard about another podcast and then I researched it. All right. This one comes from your beautiful wife, Jessica Brown. Uh, yes. um, we'll take a, a, a moment away from the parks and we're going to go to Disney Plus. What is the weirdest Disney Plus show that you have watched? I'm going to let you answer this. So one. I was I, I was clearly prepared for this question because it came from my wife. I don't know if I've, I, I'm really trying to think if I've watched anything like truly weird on Disney Plus, and I don't think I really have. You know, there was that early on, there was the Mr. Boogity Challenge where they wanted to, when Disney Plus released, everybody watched Mr. Boogity, so the algorithm thinks that that all the people, like everyone watches this and they like green light sequels and stuff like that. Um, 
I guess I the, heard about that. That's news. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, I think probably the weirdest thing that I've uh, that I've watched and that I took on a whim, and I've talked about it like briefly on this pod, would be The Secrets of Sulphur Springs. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a weird show and one that I'm not like preaching out to like people that I'm running into on the street of like, oh my gosh, have you seen Secrets of Sulphur Springs? Um, but it was just that, yeah, that's kind of a weird, quirky show, and I liked it. See, I don't have an answer to this question. Um, I'm going to say something very controversial here. I like Disney Plus, but I don't think it's the be-all, end-all streaming service. Um, I have not found a lot of their original content to be that engaging. Um, Obviously, I've enjoyed The Mandalorian. I love High School Musical, the musical, the series, seasons one and two, and I'm hoping they bring season three back. Um, But I don't... I don't find myself going back to like the old Disney Channel movies or watching the new content and even the animated movies. I watch them here and there, but sometimes you got to be invested into it. And sometimes I'm just not invested. I I just, I have my Disney plus subscription. Um, it, it's got the three year thing going. So I'm coming up on year two and year three. I don't know if I'll renew it. I might, I might really? not. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's okay. Um, I think now it's been two years now, but I don't have kids, Matt. And, you know, so for that reason, those of you out there who have kids, it's a must. Like for the price you pay, 100% must. I'm wondering how many, how many people like me who are adult Disney fans when their three years is up, because a lot of people did opt into that three year plan. You know, some of them, I don't I wonder how many they'll drop. I, I, I don't know. Again, there are shows that I'm enjoying. I'm absolutely enjoying uh, The Mandalorian, uh, you know, but in the same regard, I enjoy going to the movies to see movies and this whole premiere access things kind of rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. And I don't know. Yeah, I think premiere access is going away. Like, I think premiere access is a, this is the time that we're in. I don't think this is going to be how Disney wants to push out films. I don't think it's been that rousing of a success. I think had like the all 90 million subscribers bought it, they would have been like, oh my gosh, yeah, heck yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's clearly not happening. Yeah. And so it's, it's clearly they want to push people to the theaters. I think that's totally. And even you're seeing, I mean, the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer came out. And it very clearly at the end of that trailer says exclusively in theaters. Yeah, no, I, I, I can I can get that. I think, I don't know, I find more luck with Hulu now hmm. than I do with Disney+. Plus. Don't get me wrong. I mean, like we're watching the the Once Upon a Time. We finally got in, we're in the final season of Once Upon a Time now. We've enjoyed that, which has been nice. But like I don't, I don't know. I find myself when I go back to some of the older shows, I find myself cringing at the writing or the acting or the the random I don't know. It's just it's it has not for me and I think that maybe there was some of this commentary when Disney Plus was announced of it can Disney have enough content to support a, a full streaming service. And again, I wish them all the luck in the world. I just I have yet to find a whole lot of meaning and I think the you know the fact that I've just I paid for it all up front is is why it's still in my house. Oh yeah. Um, I also find that the it, it's it's clunky. It's slow. Like when you want to pause it or like not pause it, pause fine. But when you want to stop something, like you'll literally hit stop on, on my TV and it'll take 10 seconds for it to actually stop. Hmm. It's annoying as all get out. So really? Yeah. Hmm. Or Hulu and Netflix don't have that problem. So at least on my smart TV. 
Anyway, all right, beside the point, let's move on. This one comes from Cassandra, old cast member with us, old lead. Cassandra, she says, oh, this one's for you. What do you hope to see from Disney in continuing the Muppets franchise? I personally think they should do a Muppet Land LOL. I mean, yes, I'd be all into that. And actually, there there's some early concept art of a whole Muppet Land. And I think it was the whole plan was with the reboot of like the new Muppet movie with Jason Siegel and Amy Adams. And then the show on ABC was kind of, I think, supposed to be the trajectory that pushed it uh-huh. up. And then they were gonna, they were moving forward with it. I, I don't know how serious that was or whether that's any truth behind that. But I think they were kind of banking on it. But I think what the Muppets are is what they're doing this holiday season. And I mean Halloween, where you've got the Muppet Haunted Mansion special. Yes, just more of that, more of that. I, 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 that, that is, I have yet to hear somebody that is not excited to watch yeah, that. And I'm 100%. not saying like excited out of their minds, but like, I've not pitched that to anyone and, and someone would be like, I'm not watching that. Everyone's like, yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll absolutely check that out. I, I think, I think that the reality is this, the Muppets are never going to be the headlining character. I, I think, I think the ship has sailed of the Muppets are the headlining main attraction for anything. I think they've tried a number of reboots in a number of ways. There was that weird office type comedy for a bit on ABC that they tried that didn't work. I actually thought it was really original, but it, it, it just didn't work. Then, and then, then they tried these short, you know, these shorts on, or they were supposed to be shorts, but they turned into these craziness on Disney plus, right. That, that just wasn't, it didn't seem to, it, it just felt off. So, you know, Muppet Babies, the, the reboot of the Muppet Babies seemed to do okay. But I think the reality is, is the Muppets are never going to be the headliners. But for things like you just said, things like this, you know, the, the spokesman of the parks, you know, you, you could do pair, like bring back a parody movie with the Muppets yeah. or something like, you know, you got all the rights now, 20th Century Fox and, or I'm sorry, 20th Century Studios and, and Disney, you have the rights on all these things. Do a Muppet parody movie for crying out loud! I, you know, uh, did they ever do a Muppet Star Wars? Well, I mean, Muppet Star Wars is there. Muppet Marvel is there. Muppet, <laughs> Muppet Pirates Marvel would the, be amazing. Um, Muppet yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean. Muppet, um, you know, it, I don't know. Like, do Muppet uh, Little Mermaid? I, I like. I, I'm not that, but uh, <laughs> but I, I would love to see them upgrade the Muppets Muppet Vision 3D as well. I, I think they could mm. do something and completely redo that attraction, and I think it'd be great. See, I, I think you got to keep that one. Oh, um, really? Mostly it that was the like one of one of if not the last thing that Jim Henson worked on. Okay, and I mean so they've enhanced it with the Muppet, the new Muppet movies. Yeah, I mean it's it, a pre-show. It, yeah, the I mean I, I just that, that I mean I, I'm being a stingy like. I'm being one of those people that when I that I talk about <laughs> in this podcast that I'm like, just accept the change. And don't get me wrong. If they change Muppet Vision 3D and updated it, I'd still love it. But I think that I think that um, they would be that would be hard just from a like, that's one of the last things that Jim that's fair. did. But well, you know, what's low hanging fruit for them that I'm surprised they've not done is like Muppet meet and greets at the parks. Like, how have you not 
done a Muppet meet and greet with Kermit the Frog and with Miss Piggy and with Fozzie Bear. And they don't have to be the giant characters walking around. You can put them behind with have puppeteers underneath them. I mean, or, or do animatronics even if you really wanted to and do it mm-hmm. like they like do with BB-8, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's a market for the Muppets, but I agree yes. with you. I just don't think they can be a headliner, but I, I think there's clearly a place for them in Disney, and I think it's with these types of specials. Yeah. That, and, and because you have the platform, you can release them to Disney+. Plus. They're great little parody things. It, it, I, I think that works. I don't think you need to go all out with them, yeah. but clearly it like stuff like that is working. So. That actually is a good transition to one of the other questions that your wife asked. She says, which character that's not at the park do you wish could that you could meet? Clearly the Muppets are, are one of them. Do you have any other ones that you would add to that? I mean, I mean, obviously huge bias here, but any of the Emperor's New Groove characters, like, <laughs> if I could meet them. And I know they exist. Yeah. Um, whether it's, I don't know if they exist domestically, but I know they, do, they exist internationally. And a lot of these like, they sometimes will come out with the oddball characters at parties or other stuff like that. Um, otherwise, I mean, Disney does a pretty good job at covering all the bases of characters that you would want to meet. Yes and no. See, I, I don't, I don't agree with that. I think Disney's sitting on a whole host of intellectual property that they could, literally sit out like characters that they could literally bring out and they don't need to be out there all the time but every park could host a mystery character of the day and it just i will tell you that idea the mystery character of the day when i was down when i was down with my mom back in 2014 and we were at hollywood studios my mom had gone to the restroom and i was waiting for her this was over by star wars launch bay before it was star wars launch bay and all of a sudden out of nowhere there's Max from Goof Goof Troop, from Goofy Movie. No one's around. He's just kind of hanging out. His handler's there with him. And I walked up. I got a picture with Max of all people or of all characters. And and later found out that this is actually what happens is is for some of like people who are for friends of the characters, that is the cast members who are these characters, this a lot of times is their initiation into being in costume is they'll bring out lesser known characters for a couple of minutes for an hour or so. So they kind of get their feet wet out in front of real live guests. Okay. That's awesome. But why could you not do a mystery character of the day? There are so many characters that I would love to see. Bring Roger Rabbit back out, (laughs) bring the genie. You see oh, the, ge- yeah. the ge- you see the genie in Fantasmic, but I would love to get a picture with them. The villains, why why could we not get pictures with the villains other than during the Halloween party? That makes no sense to me. Um, um, Oswald the Lucky Rabbit in Walt Disney World, like what? Why is he exclusively in Disneyland? Um, again, we've got some of the Star Wars characters, but you know what about a, a, a Yoda? Um, uh, meet and greet. Mm. So there, I just it, it it just Epcot is ripe for that. Like oh yeah, you could, you I mean, could it absolutely already do. does. I think Epcot does a really nice job of putting them in their country already. But there's more. You can do more. Yep. So I just there's so many different characters, and I think they could do they could rotate them. Just you never know who it's going to be. This is the surprise character meet and greet. You know, for every two hours they change it up, and if you're in line to meet so and so, that's it. And then you know, think about how it's almost like hunting down 
that pen that you're looking for. You're yeah. getting the character autograph that you really want. Well, that all the characters the, could have those cards and you're trying to hunt those down. That would be the key is I think you could make that a really like collectible thing yeah. that if like each character started to have and each version of Mickey mm -hmm. and each version of Minnie had their own collectible card, collectible pin, collectible sticker i don't know like probably sticker is the cheapest but i do like the idea of making the character meet and greets a little like a a game and so yeah. all right disney all right, <laughs> pay us royalties pay us royalties listen to the last episode just listen to this one and get our idea <laughs> all right so this one is from julia keller uh who we used to work with as a, at, at, at um woodfield uh, what are your thoughts on the Disney store closing? Well, you heard those last week's. So we're not listen to last that. week's episode. Um, what was your favorite part about working for the Disney company? And then the, her, another one was, if you only had one day to be at all four parks at world, what would you do and why? Um, oh, then I'm missing part of it. Let's get to the first one first. What was your favorite part about working for the Walt Disney company? It was okay. There, I, there's twofold. One of them is 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 less um, uh, less uh, touching, I guess. I love being in the know on information and mm -hmm. being the first to see certain products and know about certain movies and know about certain things was really cool. Mm -hmm. But the ability to go into work and be surrounded by all of my favorite things i'm surrounded by the music i'm surrounded by characters and product and getting to talk to people about that and getting to really share information and fun anecdotal stories and get people excited about their trip or uh hear about their trip it, it was just it was so it was fun to go into work yeah it was a lot of work and yeah, I mean, there were there were reasons why I ended up leaving and not being a cast member anymore. But it was just it was so much fun to go into work. I echo everything that you just said. I think one of my absolute favorite things to do as a cast member, though, was the opening ceremony. Mm. The opening ceremony to me was the most magical part of what we did. Um, I had the chance to do it in two different stores. I had the chance to do it at the outlet and at Woodfield. And so for those of you who've never experienced an opening ceremony, it's different depending on what store you go to. Our version of the opening ceremony actually had a special magical book. And this magical book would light up. And we would, every day, we would, we would, we would step outside and we would choose, typically a child, sometimes it was an adult though, and we would choose a child and um, especially on like the weekends when there was a big group of people, like I love that. Or, or my favorite was opening up on Black Friday. Oh, yeah. I love that. So because you have, or, or on on days where we would have like a release and you'd have like a hundred people in line, and you'd choose this child, and you'd put them in front of this book, and you'd say, "All right, we're gonna awaken the magic of the store every night. We go to bed. Every time we leave the store, we go to sleep, and the magic goes to sleep, and there's no one here to keep it alive. So now we need to awaken the magic. And so we, the first thing we do is we we put our fingers up and say, "Okay, um, we're gonna use magic fingers," and we'd stick them out like Mickey in the book. We wouldn't do anything. And then the next thing we'd say, "Well, we got to have a magical hat." We got to have a magical hat and the magical hat is okay put the magic it's the sorcerer mickey hat on and then we'd we'd go put our fingers out and that wouldn't work then we would say oh, we got to have the magical robes we'd put the magical robe on and same thing magic fingers nothing 
well, do you know any magical words? And usually the kid would go, you know, uh, bibbity boppity boo or abracadabra or, 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 or miska mouska muska. And that wouldn't work. Well, then we'd look at the book and the book always said, let the magic begin. And so we would then get the crowd involved and we'd say, all right, uh, on the count of three, we're all going to put our fingers out and we're all going to say, let the magic begin. And so we would do that one, two, three, let the magic begin. And that is when the magic would truly begin because we'd light the book up. We would drop the, the ribbon across the front of the store and then the music would turn on because we'd have a cast member towards the back who would turn the music on at that moment. Right. So what I loved about it at 887, though, was that at 887, we also took one extra step at, at the outlet is that we'd have a cast member in back who, when we say, let the magic begin, we'd put on our mic and they turn the lights on, too, because the lights would be off in the showroom and, and so on stage. And then, boom, all of that would happen in the kid's face would just light up. It, it, it was truly such a magical experience. And then towards the end there, uh, Matt, I know you were you, you you were there for part of this. You had left right around the holiday, but we got the um, the closing uh, ceremony DVD. Yeah, the closing ceremony was very fun. I loved the closing ceremony DVD. So the closing ceremony DVD was an hour before close. You'd put this DVD in, and and. And it, all it was was just a mix of different Disney music classics, if you will. But it started off fast and then slowly towards the end, it kind of slowed down. And it had classics like, you know, when can I see you again? Oh, oh, oh. And then it ended with there's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow. And then when that stopped, it would go to this like lullaby sound, you know. Uh, of, you know, another day has closed here at the Disney store mm -hmm. on behalf of all of the cast members. We wish to thank you. And, and it was so soothing, but there was a fireworks show at the beginning of this thing. We would actually put a fireworks show on. So what we would do is we, we would tell people if we were getting closer to eight o'clock, we'd say, Hey, um, you know, stick around for the fireworks show. We're going to have a fireworks show on our really crappy TV, but it, it still was there. And we turned the music up real loud. And then I did something that I wasn't supposed to do. I would, I would take the remote for that bubble wand set. Were you there around for the bubble wand set? No. Oh, I, okay. I, I, for the big bubble wand display. I, yeah, and I was not there for the bubble wands. Okay, so we had this huge bubble wand display that had LED lights, and we were always supposed to keep it on blue. But for the fireworks show, when we got to the finale, I would take it and I would let it cycle through all the colors at the pace of the fireworks. And it was everyone loved it. It was like the coolest thing ever. I wasn't supposed to do it, but I did it. Um, what are they going to do now? I mean, they're closed now. <laughs> oh, boy. So anyway, so my point is, is making magic was was truly one of the, the I mean, that that is what I absolutely loved about working for the, the Walt Disney Company. Um, Julia, part of her other question was, um, if you only had one day to be at all four parks of the world what what would you do and why i think we've answered this one on the pod we, before we haven't did we the one day a perfect day at disney yes um, okay that's what I out there that talks about our perfect day at disney so i would encourage you to to go back and listen yeah. to that one um, and then the, the last question she has here then is if you wish disney could purchase any other franchise which one would you want them to buy don't we, I think we've answered that one before, too. Well, we, we did the, like, Disney, like, could Disney do it better? Yes, that's right. But, um, hmm, I, I think that I would want them to purchase the Jurassic Park franchise. Okay. Because I like Dinosaur, but the Dinosaur ride is clearly an inferior, like, it's Jurassic Park light. 
<laughs> yes, it um, is. <laughs> uh, and so I think that Disney, if they own the Jurassic Park franchise, could do some very, very cool things back in that dino land. Oh, yeah. I mean, Universal's already doing some very cool things, and yeah. I think Disney could e- echo a lot of that where you have the grand, you know, adventure ride, kind of your through the movie type ride. And I'm then you fairly have- certain that Dino Land back there was absolutely a response to the fact that Islands of the Islands of Adventure was going to have Jurassic Park put into oh, it. Oh yeah, yeah, like, like it's clearly, clearly trying to. Well, and and I do think that you know, Dino Land has kind of been billed as your more like kid friendly yep. because the rest of Animal Kingdom is kind of this more conservation a little more of a mature idea so to speak um whereas you know dino land is like hey kids dinosaurs woohoo um but i i think i think that it if they own jurassic park i think that could that could really they could really do some cool stuff with that that's, that's a fun one i didn't even give that one any consideration what's funny is that you went to universal a universal property i am going to be going to a universal not property, but they've got the license for it, and that is the Super Mario franchise. Oh. I, I think not just Super Mario. I think Super Mario, the Nintendo franchise, the big ones, Pokemon, uh, uh, Legend of Zelda, and and Super Mario. Disney could build a, a whole park around those. Have you um, seen the the like videos yes. of Tokyo? It, it's 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 gorgeous. I, I actually I I rode the POV Mario Kart. Uh, ride through yeah. uh, it, it, the, the the theming i mean it it, it is it, the, the theming is is exactly what um exactly what disney imagineering has been able to do except it's not disney imagineering so yeah. i i really do believe um uh, super mario legend of zelda pokemon the big ones um I mean, Minecraft, even, I guess, if you really wanted to get in there, it seems to be the new one the kids are playing these days. I don't know. (laughs) Get off my lawn. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, All right. This one comes from, okay, this one's your your wife again. And this one's going to, this one gets me a little bit. So who is one person you'd love to take to Disney and why? Now, is this, um, is this like anyone, like, real fake like um how, how are i'm you gonna have i'm gonna have i'm gonna have a real person i mean mine's as real as it gets but i think it could be anybody you want because we have another question coming up from cassandra about walt so keep walt out of it for a second but i mean this may seem like a really cop-out answer but it's my kids okay like and and i think enveloped in this is this i love taking people to disney for the first time that they that they have gone. Now, clearly, you can't. I cannot go back in time and go for the first time again. But watching someone experience the Disney park for the first time and being the person that is kind of guiding them through that is really really exciting to me. And there's a couple of my friend group and family that have told me like, we really want to go to Disney with you. And I'm like, yes. You know, I've never been. I really want to go. Oh my gosh! Yes, we're doing this. Yeah. Because I, that is that's just so exciting, and of course, my kids are just yeah. that much more special to me. Like, I can't wait to take my children on some of these rides and do character meet and greets oh, yeah. and dinners and get to kind of 
have them view everything for the first time because it kind of gives me a little bit of like a, oh man this is what this is so. you know you know your wife asked that question to get specifically that answer you, you know that right here's the great <laughs> Jessica thing. you answer you asked that question to specifically get that answer <laughs> here, here, here's the thing she doesn't listen to this podcast so I could say wait anybody, what You're, well I can't say Nate listens to this podcast either so <laughs> my wife is just not a podcast person gotcha. um, like it's not anything that she like hates us <laughs> but listen to podcasts in general. Yeah. so i can answer whatever i want Hi, though this is going to be the one that she listens to yes so <laughs> my answer on this one unfortunately is one who i'll never have the opportunity to actually take him it's not that he's you know he's, he's still around and then you know I still, and it's, my, it's my dad um i love my dad and my, my dad however before i was born he developed um I guess just some, I don't even know, it's a phobia. I don't even know how you would describe it, but it's basically a psychological phobia of traveling. He doesn't like to be out of, you know, within basically a hundred mile radius of his, where he lives. Um, he's, he's made an occasional trip here, there. He's come out to visit me, visit me once where I live. And, you know, but even then he's on edge the whole time. And, he, and, and, and again, this is not just him. This happens to a lot of people, but he doesn't mm-hmm. like to fly. He doesn't like to travel. He doesn't like to be out of his comfort zone. And it's taken many, many years to understand that. When we were kids, we didn't go on vacations. Hence, one of the reasons why it took me till I was, you know, twenty some years old to go to Disney. Um, we would go, you know, and this was great. I have great memories as a kid going on a vacation um, where we would, you know, there was this hotel near us in Ann Arbor called Weber's Inn, and and we would go for the weekend. I mean, it was, you know, with 20 miles from the house, and we would go, and we'd go swimming and play in the arcade. As kids, we didn't know any better, and then as we got older, he never stopped us from going anywhere we wanted with my mom or whatever. He just didn't go. So this last trip, when it was my mom and my brother and my sister-in-law and the two kids and me, and we all went, I, 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 I prayed and prayed and prayed because I, I wish I could figure out a way to get my dad down there. I know he's not a big crowd person, and I get that. But the second he steps into that world, I guarantee you he would melt, and it would, it would all open up for him. But it's the having to get him down there part of it that's tough. Mm-hmm. And so if I could get one person, if I could take one person to Disney to show him what it's like and what it's about even if just for a day to walk around and show him what i know about the disney verse that would be that would be my wish now again i i I know it'll never happen and the best i can do is videos and 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 he listens intently and passionately and um i just you know i would love to i would love to show it to him live and in person but i respect the fact that he can't do it and and so yeah so it's a good question that was a really Um, good question on a totally like on a non-touching note too i'm excited to go to the parks one time with you Oh yeah, like, <laughs> I, I'm I'm so excited to do a like friends vacation, yes. podcast partner vacation where we just go down and tear it up down. Hundred percent, like it, it 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 is. I was hoping maybe for November, but I know it, you know it's tough right yeah. now. But I get it. But but like we will get down there. You know, oh, yeah. maybe it's, it's a maybe it's you and your in and your family and Nate and I, or maybe it's just you and me in a weekend trip. I don't know. I am getting an annual pass when they come out. I've already already made the decision. Yes. On that, okay. So. Okay. Um, we have, let's see here, one, I think we got two more questions left. Um, okay, this one again comes from Cassandra. If you could spend the day with Walt, what park would you take him to and would you park hop? This one is an interesting question. That is an interesting question. Um, which park would I take him to? 
I, okay, I, I guess I have my answer. I would take him to Shanghai Disneyland. Me too. And 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 I think in if nothing else to show him I think that excuse me that that park right now is kind of the culmination of yeah. Disney Imagineering, Disney theming, Disney magic. Like if you have not watched the Pirates of the Caribbean ride um at Shanghai Disney, go watch it. It, it is bonkers awesome. It's so cool. Um, and they had just have a bunch of other rides there that just they, they, the imaginary, the technology, the, the magic that is infused in there is just so awesome. And so to for Walt to be able to see here was your Disneyland dream. Here is where here is what this has gone to. I think would be really, really cool to show them. Yeah, I'm with you. I think if I was picking one park in particular, it would be Shanghai for every single reason that you listed out there. I think another possibility for me too might be to show him a couple of the things that probably were really, that meant a lot to him. So I would love to show him that It's a Small World has made it into multiple parks across the world. I would love to show him the Hall of Presidents uh, you know, because again, with what he did with with great moments with Mr. Lincoln, I would love to show him the safari at Animal Kingdom because yeah. that's what he wanted the Jungle Cruise to be. You know, um, again, Shanghai. You had mentioned. I, I I think that if Walt were able to see what his legacy has become, he would be very proud. I know all these people. Walt's rolling over in his grave. No, he's not. He's not rolling over in his grave. I think he would be very proud of what the Walt Disney company has created in his legacy across the globe. Have they gotten it right every time? Of course not. I challenge, I defy you to find any organization that can get it right a hundred percent of the time. They, no, that's, that's called being human. Yeah. But, but the reality is his legacy, you know, I, I had mentioned this once a sun, the sun never sets on a Walt Disney world park now. Mm hmm. I mean, talk about legacy, man. So again, Cassandra, I know that's kind of a cheat answer. I, I totally get that. But Shanghai would be where I would take them for all those reasons that Matt laid out. But I would love to, for him to see. Honestly, I'd like him to be able to see what Disneyland's become too. Yeah. For him to go back to Disneyland and see some of the stuff that's there and see how they've continued to plus. I can just see Walt standing in the middle of Main Street USA going, yeah, you got some ideas. I'll tell you if they're great or not, but you got some ideas. Like I could just see him doing that, you know, um, his motion pictures. The Like I would love to just get Walt in for 24 hours to watch some of the animated movies that have been made since his death. Like, oh, yeah. my God, that would be well, like showing him Frozen because that was one that he wanted to do. Yeah. And yeah. people kept telling him no. <laughs> All right. Last one comes from Jennifer Kartechka, who I used to work with. Um, and I love this question. And I think this is I save this for last because I think it's going to be a little bit of a conversation has owning marvel or star wars or marvel and star wars changed disney for the better worse or not really made a difference my gut reaction to this question was oh it's clearly made it better that was my gut reaction when i read that question you know you, you sent these to me about two hours ago um that was my gut reaction but as i let it simmer I don't really think it's made that much of a difference. I, and 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 let me let me clarify. This is not like clearly it's made a difference financially and and the what kind of content they're putting out. Yes, that makes sense. But 
let's say they don't purchase Marvel and Star Wars. Do I think that Disney is still pumping out really good experiences of rides? Yeah, it just be it wouldn't be Galaxy's Edge. It would have been something else. Uh, that would have been a insanely technologically advanced ride and immersive land. Like, would it have been Arendelle? Would it have been Zootopia? Would it have been uh, San Francisco? Any of those three would have been amazing. And that was all Disney property. So I, I, I don't think it's really made in terms of, like, the company that big of a difference. I mean, clearly it's made a financial gain where they can they now have these huge blockbuster movies, they're pumping out all these series, all the merchandising, all that other stuff. It's clearly made a difference. But I think in terms of, like, oh, has it made the parks better? I don't I don't necessarily think they've it's made the parks better or worse. I think it's just it they've put in another rock solid themed land ride and they would have done the same thing had they not bought Marvel or Star Wars. It's funny that you you are very park centric with your answer on that one cuz I I took it more broadly about the Walt Disney Company as a whole and and whether or not it's made it better, made it worse. This is a really interesting question, and I think, I, and I've said this once before on the pod, I think had Disney not invested in Marvel and Star Wars, and I'm going to put Pixar in that category too, I don't think the Walt Disney Company would be around the way we know it today. I, I don't. I think that Disney in that early 2000 period was struggling, man. I mean, we've talked about that. Those those movies in the early 2000s, they were just, you know, you talked about hitting, you know, you know, great animation movies out of the park. They weren't doing that in the early 2000s. No. You know, and it took Iger to kind of walk around before he became CEO to kind of walk around in one of the parks and said the most popular characters that people are, are crazy for right now are not even Disney characters. He was referring to, to Pixar at that point, right? But let, and, let's say that Pixar, Pixar is on board. So you've got Disney Pixar. Do you think that it's still like not where it's at if they don't have Marvel and Star Wars? I I do because I think without Marvel and Star Wars funding the Walt Disney Company the way it has in the last 10 years or 8 years, 9 years, they wouldn't have the funds to do some of this stuff. I mean, we, we've talked about the fact that of all the animated movies that have come out between Frozen, between between um, uh, Disney and, and Pixar, the one that was like literally the smash hit of all time was Frozen. And it was an anomaly, right? Other than that, there have been some successes, but no, no Avengers success, no Star Wars The Force Awakens success, the billions of dollars that were brought in, they recouped those investments plus some, which have then gone on to fund other uh, expenditures and other other projects that the Walt Disney Company has done. I don't necessarily know if they would have um, been able to, you know, put the Arendelle land or, uh, you know, uh, the ones that you were talking about, uh, San Francisco, you know, all those, I, I don't know if they would have been able to do that or fund all of those because Disney has always been kind of slow on the draw when it comes to those kind of projects. Right. So for that reason, I think that Marvel and star Wars have absolutely contributed to the better of the Walt Disney company. 
the converse of that, though, is I also think that they have also hurt the Walt Disney Company, too. I think that because Marvel and Star Wars came in, it sucked up a lot of the oxygen, a lot of the focus, and some of the creativity ideas, not only for the movies, but again, for parks attractions, were focused over on those two premises, those two IPs. And maybe we didn't get some of the creative IP that we could have gotten. And again, I know I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth. I, I totally get that. Um, but the Walt Disney Company is not just Disney. It's, it's, it is these, this mammoth of, of, of IP now. And it, it's going to take some kind of a creative genius at the top to be able to figure out how to leverage all that. I don't think Chappick's that guy. We talked about that last week. Um, I think someone like a Josh DeMauro could be. I think someone like um, Kevin Feige could 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 take in that reign. Um, and I'm going to get lambasted for this. Someone like a Kathleen Kennedy could do it. Uh, I, I think Kathleen Kennedy has proven her chops on a lot of different things. And, and she could, she could, I think as a creative, maybe not CEO, but chief creative officer or something of the Walt Disney company could take us down a road, um, that, that we've not been. So to answer the question, Jennifer, I think for me, it's, it's both, it's, it's both been good and bad for the Walt Disney company. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I hear what you're saying. Like it has taken a lot of the air, but I also think that Disney has still come out with some really good, like, Disney Pixar movies, and I think that you're going to see those start to, in smaller ways, maybe not a full land of anything, but I think Disney's going to infuse their IP, especially the World Showcase to me is is ripe for more infusing of, not again, big e-ticket attractions, but just smaller IP here and there. Yeah, I'd like to, you know, the World Showcase is great. I I'd like to be able to see them get some attractions in there, though, that are actual attractions that, that, you know, Epcot to me, I, I, Epcot's a fun park, but it's not like my favorite park by any means. Um, yeah, Epcot is my favorite park on, for, for like weird reasons. Yeah. Um, but with that said, I understand that it does need, and I'm not one of those world showcase purists that's like, don't bring IP in there slam as much IP as you possibly can into that world showcase. And I will still love it. Um, I I think that there's a lot of cool things you can do. Like, uh, like, um, you know, Coco in the Mexico pavilion seems, um, seems like a slam dunk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think they were talking potentially, um, that there's rumors that a Rapunzel attraction could be going into Germany. I'm hearing. So, I mean, I'm, I think Rapunzel deserves more than a themed bathroom. I completely (laughs) agree with the tower in the background. So, all right. Well, this has been a fun episode. Um, What our listeners don't know is that um, after we're done with this episode, we're going to be doing business because we literally don't know what we're going to be. Well, I take that back. We do know the next two episodes only because they were pushed. Uh, Next week's episode, if all goes to plan, should be the top 10 resort episode. And then the one after that should be, um, we're we're going to do our continue our Star Wars story, which is Rogue One. But after that, we don't know. We've actually got to sit down and plan what the several episodes are going to be. So that is what we're going to do after we get off the, the the recording here so 
Um, anyway, uh, it's closing time. If you'd like to get a hold of us, you can do so by finding us on Facebook, Beers and Ears Podcast. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Beers Ears 1928. You can also get a hold of us through email at Beers, that's right, at Beers and Ears 1928 at gmail.com. Um, you know, rate and review us. Give us five stars, five stars, as Matt likes to say. If you aren't already subscribing, like if you're listening to this podcast just through like the web link, that's awesome. It gets our listenership up. But when you subscribe, it allows others to find the podcast easier, which is which is really helpful. So, um, Matt, it's closing time. Yes, and because uh, this comes out week of Labor Day on Thursday is uh, premiere of season two of Discontinued oh, yes. on Display, our yes, 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 sister yes. podcast on the Sorcerer Network. So um, yes, uh, definitely check that out. Let's go ahead and raise our glasses. This episode has been on us. See Casey just raised up a Wolverine glass, and I'm I, really excited. I, I totally did. Yes, I did. Oh, All awesome. right. <laughs> All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to a Sorcerer Network podcast.